Good morning, family. Welcome to church. So good to see all of you here. Let's everybody stand on their feet as we start worship this morning. Jesus, our hope and strength. 
grace was deep, my shame was wide, your arms were wider, my guilt was great, your love was greater still. Church, just sit in the love of the Father today. Feel his arms of acceptance extending towards you today. A heavenly father who cares so deeply for you. darkness running out of an empty grave I'm seated alone in glory and thrown on the highest praise sing it out church you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave seated alone in glory and thrown on the highest praise you sent the darkness running out of an empty
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your love. Praise you, Lord. You've seen what you can do. God of wonders, your power has no end. The things you've done before in greater measure, you will do again. Because there's no prison wall you can't break through, no mountain you can't move. All things are possible, and there's no broken body you can raise, no soul that you can save. All things are possible.
serve a God in whom all things are possible. Amen. Amen. As we have an opportunity this morning to come before the God of revival in prayer, we recognize that God is truly wanting revival in our hearts, in our communities, in the places we're involved in, in our homes and in everywhere. And we believe that when we come before God in prayer, that he will actually bring about the revival that we pray for. But I know there are some of you that are coming in here this morning that are maybe not seeing that clearly. Maybe there are things going on in your life, there are things going on in your heart, there are things going on in your mind right now that are causing you to to wonder where this God of revival may be in your life. And so if that is you this morning, I'm gonna invite you if you're willing to go ahead and take a seat. 
And we would like to, as we join together in this time of prayer, we have people around here in this congregation that would love to come around you, to pray over you, to pray with you in this time. And so if you'd be willing to do so, then may the rest of us, may you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful and grateful for the opportunity that we have this morning to come before you in prayer. What a privilege and an honor it is to have open access to the God of the universe that wants to hear from us. We know that there are so many people in this congregation that have come in that are desperate to hear for you, from you, but we're all coming in, in in different places, God. There are some of us that are coming in with joys and excitements and triumphs that we're ready to give praise and celebrate. And there are some that are coming in with brokenness, with heartbreak, with pain, with troubles, with stress, Lord, that are just looking for you and for your healing hand. Wherever we may be, Lord, Whichever person in this room, I pray that you will show up in the exact way that you are needed in each and every person's lives, in each and every circumstance. Lord, we are so thankful that we have an opportunity to come before you and pray over the other churches that are doing ministry in our community. So this morning, we wanna lift up Robinson Grace Church in Grand Haven. Lord, we are thankful for their involvement and for their commitment to this community. We pray over Pastor Bill Russell as he brought the message this morning. We pray that his words were of you, Lord, that they were filled with grace and with truth and that your spirit was present amongst the people this morning, that they received your word. We pray over the fruitfulness and the ministry that they are doing as they seek to reach this community for your kingdom as well. And over our missionaries, Lord, we are thankful for those that we have been able to send to go forth and do your ministry and bring your kingdom to all the corners of the earth. And so this morning we lift up Edgar and Erica Gomez who are serving faithfully down in Mexico. We pray for their continued safety and protection as we know, Lord, that they are working in a spot where sometimes it can be dangerous, but we know that you have placed them there for a reason. So continually grant them safety and protection in this season. And we pray over Edgar as he has been dealing with some ongoing respiratory concerns after a bout with COVID back in January and is also dealing with some back and some neck pain. Lord, we know that you are the great physician. We have seen you across scripture. You have made the blind to see. You have made, made the lame to walk. You have made the deaf to hear. So it is not too much for us to come before you and ask that your healing hand be placed upon his body, that you would return and restore mobility and functionality so that he continue to do the work that you have called him to. Lord, we are thankful for this opportunity to gather together as a church family this morning. And we just pray now that your spirit will be upon us as we go forth from worship and as we move into the message, Lord, that you will just open our hearts, that you will open our ears to receive what you have for us. May your spirit fall upon us in a way that not only today, but tomorrow, the rest of the week, the rest of this month, we would continue to chase after you and to love you and to love others as you have called us to. We pray this in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. 
Well, good morning, church. For those of you that are regular attenders here or those that are joining us online, we are grateful that you are with us this morning. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, and if you maybe forgot who I am, my name is Aaron, and I am the new high school pastor here. A privilege and honor, and it is to be here. And for those high schoolers that may be here in the room, if I have not gotten an opportunity to meet you yet, please make sure you catch me out in the lobby before you leave. I'd love to start to get to know you and get to know your story. Well, we are so thankful. And if you are a guest with us this morning, thank you for joining us. I hope that you have been greeted warmly and that you are beginning to feel the spirit of God as he is speaking to you this morning. We would love to get connected with you if you are new, but know that our connection card is not just an opportunity for us to connect with those who are new, but it's an opportunity for us to connect with those who are looking to join a group or who are looking to serve. Whether you've been in here for 20 minutes or whether you've been here for 20 years, if there is a step or an area where you are wanting to grow and make a movement, you can use the connection card. We have a QR code on the back of some of our seats and we would love for you to go ahead, scan that out, fill out some information and let us have an opportunity to get to know you and to help you take that one more step towards Jesus today. As far as announcements go, if you are joining us, you've heard us talking about this opportunity called The Journey before, and I'm excited to say that that starts this morning. It's happening during our 11 a.m. service, and it's going to be continually going on throughout the course of the month. And if you're not familiar with what The Journey is, or maybe you're thinking it's some kind of new membership or new orientation class, it is for anybody here at All Shores that is wanting to go deeper in their connection, in their fellowship, in their relationship with God, and find out where their fit is here at All Shores. There may be some of you sitting here and saying, you know, I'm willing to just take a, a back seat right now and just kind of to observe and to grow and to learn from what's happening. But for those of you that are wanting to get plugged in, that are wanting to serve, that are wanting to find out where it is that God is calling you to in this season in our church, then we invite you to join with us and to go through the journey. And we are excited for all of you to join with that. Other than that, this is the time in our service where we get to worship God with the giving of our tithes and offerings. And if you are a guest here, know that there is no obligation for you to give. This service this morning is our gift to you. And if you are a regular attender or a member of our congregation, we wanna say thank you for your faithfulness and your obedience in your giving. It gives us an opportunity to be able to go and to change our community and to change the world that we are serving. So thank you for your faithfulness and for partnering with us in that. Now, if you will turn your attentions to the screen, we have one more announcement for you. Hi, Allshorts families. We are so excited to invite you to Fall Fest Spooktacular on Monday, October 31st from 4 to 6 p.m. All the businesses will be passing out candy, and Allshorts will be here at Tanglefoot Park, and we'll be passing out donuts and cider. We'll have a raffle and an awesome trunk retreat where we're passing out candy. We would love for you to participate. You can go to allshorts.org events to sign up to serve. You can donate candy in your lobby, or you can just invite your friends and neighbors to come and hang out with the Allshores family. We'll see you at Fall Fest Spooktacular.
beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, I want to welcome those joining us online, all of you here in our Spring Lake campus, one of three campuses we have in Muskegon and Coopersville as well. We welcome them during our last hour. And we're in the final week of a series we've titled The Bible Together. I'll come back to that and where we're centered in these weeks. I'm going to invite you in the minute just to pray in the quiet. And I don't know what your posture is today or what's been going on your week. We come with a variety of them each week. Do you ever feel like you get here and you're like, I'm just extra spicy or a little snarky today. Like we were in rehearsal and uh, our bass player noticed there was a lot of low end. And they said, oh man, why is this so full of low end? And I'm like, because it's a bass. Because I'm loving. She just looked at me like, gosh, you're really kind today. So good luck for the rest of the message where that's going to go. I was also reminded though, you know, we've had several people that have had losses in the last week. We have this kind of in an ongoing way. We'll have great celebrations and great pain. And so I want to encourage you, wherever your posture, whatever your disposition, to be honest before the Lord. I also want to let you know, if you haven't signed up for a weekly email, I'd love for you to do that because that's where we can communicate out losses and different things that are going on that are more significant. We can't get through all of that. So we'd love to have you know and be able to pray uh, just as we have different circumstances going on. I want to invite you now to pray in the quiet. Whatever you did come with today, whether you're ready and going, whether you're struggling, whether you're in doubt mode, whether you're kind of just not feeling it, whether you are, you speak to God, ask him to speak to you, and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I thank you that you reveal yourself in every circumstance that you want to reveal yourself to us. So I am praying you'll speak today that you would help us and you would awaken us, you would encourage us, you would convict us, you would move among us. I pray for those with doubt and confusion, you'd make yourself real. For those of us who've become self-reliant, you'd humble us. For those different places we are, would you just move? Lord, I'm praying anything I have to say that's not from you, that it will fall to the ground, it will be forgotten. But I am asking that whatever is from you, that you'd breathe life into us each of us, to us together, however you want to move. Lord, I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. Well, in case you weren't here, this is the final week of a four-week series we did called The Bible Together. It came from you. Uh, we asked last spring, what most do you want us to talk about? And you as a group said, we want to know more about how we read Scripture, how we actually engage and discover God in it. So we're in the final week of that. I'll give a little recap as we go through the morning. But if you haven't heard the other messages, we want to encourage you to go back so you get the full teaching of what it is we're trying to help with in this. Now to begin this final week, I uh, very simply want to ask this question of you. What are you afraid of? 
I want you to contemplate that for a minute. You can think back. Maybe you're all grown up and I'm not afraid of anything anymore. Maybe growing up you had fears that were a little overthought or over, uh, overinflated. Like for me, uh, back in the era I grew up in, they showed the Wizard of Oz every year. It took one year and I was scared of uh, dark-haired ladies that were tall, skinny, and kind of shrieky. It just did me in. Like, I was like, this is evil. I don't know what to do. It freaks me out all the time. They've got my dreams. You know, we all have fears that we have, right? Some are founded, some are not. And it's interesting. There, there are fears of all sorts of things you can't even imagine. And so as you think about it, I, I wonder if some of us don't have this fear, uh, turophobia. You all know what that is, right? It's a fear of cheese. A fear of cheese. Cheese is amazing, is it? Now, if you have a like if you're celiac disease or you're gluten intolerant, there's a reason to fear cheese. But for most of us, that's not a common fear, is it? Most of you aren't saying, I'm afraid of cheese. I'm going to go home, and if you get a pizza, I'm in trouble. Let me take you to another one. Uh, this is globophobia. This is the fear of balloons. No, no balloon takers. You're all good with balloons. Again, you could have a latex allergy. That could be a fear. Or you're just scared someone's going to pop it. There's a porcupine around it. That thing's going to scare you, right? Nope, still not there. Let me see if I can get to ones that might get you more. This one, this one's going to tell you something. Arachibutrophobia, tyrophobia. That is a fear that peanut butter will stick to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> yep. Come on, nobody's scared of peanut butter sticking to the roof of their mouth? There's actually, there is a legitimate fear in this in that people, some people fear it will make it so they can't breathe, which is understandable at that point in time, but most of us can manage our peanut butter. Okay, let me... Let me take you to one that actually I think is more common, nomophobia. Nomophobia is the fear of not having your phone with you. Oh, you laugh, but you know it's true, don't you? How many of you, maybe even some of you this morning left and thought, oh no, I forgot my phone. Some of you have watches that ping your phone because God forbid you might misplace it somewhere in the house and not know what to do. Some of us get notifications when we leave, your phone did not come with you. Come on, isn't it true? Can't we fear that? I mean, that's a legitimate fear that many of us have. This morning, though, I want to begin with a fear that is common in our culture. It's called garascophobia. And the fear is literally a fear of growing up and of getting old. And I'm telling you, we live in a culture that doesn't like to grow up or get old. We do everything we can to stay young, don't we? I mean, we look, and as we get older, we somehow want to defy all this. And then I can tell you, as I get older, the conversations change as you get older, by the way. You start talking about your pains and your medications and whether you can sleep at night and how many times you got up during the night and all sorts of different things you talk about. And then you remember what it used to be like. And we all live in a culture that's constantly trying to find ways to stay young. We do know that, don't we? We're constantly trying to look young be young, find ways to kind of rob maturation, rob us from growing older, and we treat youth as if it is the ultimate goal. I always laugh at that because I'll have people come up, like somebody's just turned 30, oh, I can't believe it, I'm turning 30, this is so depressing. You're just like, shut up. <laughs> just shut up. 30s are amazing. But I will tell you this in all honesty, I never look back and go, I liked that, gen that decade before. Like, I am so glad. I get it. You know, my body does not work like it used to, and it definitely is not looking the part so much. But, man, it feels better to get older, and this is why I think it should. 
we should not be worried about growing up or getting older. We should be asking, how do we actually grow up and mature? Do you ask that question often? Do we think to ourselves, what's it mean to grow up? What's it mean to become mature? We're constantly trying to move towards youthfulness. It always makes me laugh the older we get and the more we start dressing youthful. And you're like, that style didn't look good even on anybody. I can't even believe you're having it. Then there's just those of us who lack any style. But, I mean, it's crazy to me how we look and we want to move backwards. We want to kind of put a box around that there's any way I could contain myself and not age. Because who wants to actually mature and get older? And the reason I want to start here is we're going to flip this and say, what if instead we ask, how do I mature? What's it look like to mature? What's it look like to actually age and become older? Because guess what? Getting older and more mature is a good thing. I'd like an amen to that one, please. At least the older people should have said amen. I mean, the younger ones go, okay, fine. There's a piece we want to understand with this. And the reason I want us to consider this is maturing is a major aspect of Scripture reading. It's a major part of what we want to get at is one of the major goals of us reading Scripture. And I want to go back to the first week we were at. We talked in the first week about Scripture reading. We call the living word. When we read it, we discover what we say the living word. In other words, the written word, Scripture, helps us to know and discover Jesus himself, to know God. Not to know about him, but actually come into and enter into connection and relationship. The next week, we looked at the beauty of the Holy Spirit, that when Jesus rises after his death, his resurrection, he not only gives forgiveness, but after he rises and goes to be with the Father, he gives us his presence, the very Holy Spirit, to live in us. In other words, we have help. We're not to be alone in this. And then last week, the guys did a great job of talking about the fact that the best thing God gives us is himself, not what we get from him which is central to where we want to go from this today. It's the idea the best thing God wants for us is him, not what we achieve from him or what we get from him. So we're going to look today at what it means and why it's so important to mature and what the early church thought about this, what scripture teaches about it. So with that, I want us to turn basically to Colossians. This is a letter that Paul writes to the church in Colossae. It's a it's a city basically in Turkey is where it is if you want to know its geography today. It's a city that's deeply influenced by Roman culture, Greco-Roman culture, which is very common to our culture today. There are a lot of freedoms. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. There are all sorts of ways in Roman culture trying to stay young, trying to stay alive, all sorts of ways trying to live your life for you in a way you best serves you. And the same way maturation kind of lacks. So Paul writes this letter, and I want to tell you, we always put the scriptures on the screen, but we're always encouraging that you're opening the Bible. Whether you're doing that here with us, whether you do it, we always want you to do it at home, whether you do it on a phone or bring it, we keep it here to be encouraging of you. Now, here's where we begin, and we're just going to take these first few words of Paul before we go through the rest of it. He says, he is the one we proclaim. Now, Paul is centering all of his people on who Jesus is. And I'm not going to go through all of it because it's a whole chapter. But I want you to just hear some of the highlights of what he's just said about Jesus being the one we proclaim. He says this about him. Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. In other words, God himself comes in Jesus in the flesh. If we want to know who God is, we can look at Jesus and go, that's who he is. He's not a nice model. He's not just a 
somewhat like God. He is God in the flesh. So he's telling us, I want us to elevate who Jesus is. He is the image of God. He's the very essence and presence of God. And then he continues on to tell us who he is. He's the creator of all things. In other words, Jesus is the one who holds all things together. When we think of the creation of the very earth, of the cosmos, of all that there is, Jesus is at the center of making that says it's from him, for him, through him, and everything holds together. By the way, I hope you're getting a picture that Jesus is amazingly huge and awesome. Because remember, he comes in humanity, he comes in humility and lowliness, but who he is is incomprehensible and utterly amazing. In other words, he's the source of everything. And then it goes on, he's also the head of the body, the church, meaning Jesus is our source. He's the one that we look to. He's the one that we actually call King and Lord, which, by the way, is not a language we use anywhere, is it? I mean, you and I, we're masters of our own destiny. We're kings and queens of our castles, and we do what we want when we want, how we want to get what we want. That's not true. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Paul's giving us a picture of the centrality of who he is. You want to know at the, where we started three weeks ago. You want to know why we engage in Scripture? Because the written word reveals the living word and it's who he is. And everything about it is how can we know who he is more. Because there's so much to discover. And then he goes on to give a greater picture. Oh, also, he's the firstborn of the resurrection. Not meaning he was birthed into it, meaning he's primary and first. In other words, before Jesus, everybody died and it was over. And when Jesus died, he not only paid for sin, he rose again. That's resurrection, meaning this God who created everything is recreating everything out of its brokenness. In other words, Jesus is the one that not only made it, but after we broke it, after we live in this mess and this sin and this darkness and the struggles we have, he came to die to pay for our mess rose again, went to be with the Father, gives us the Spirit because he's making everything new. You guys are just overwhelming me with your reaction to it. I know inside you're like, that's awesome. But I should be dignified. I'm not going to say anything. Let's just, that's, that's interesting to ponder right now. Yeah, I like that. Now, this is not ponder stuff. This is crazy, awesome, unexplainable stuff. And he's centering us on who Jesus is because that's where he's going to take us from this. And he gives one final thing. He's the reconciler and the restorer of peace. In other words, Jesus has taken what is broken. And what's broken are you and me. It's all of creation and how we relate to one another and how we relate to God. In other words, we're broken and we don't know how to grow up in this thing of life. We know how to try to, but not how to actually live as God intended. So Paul's painting this picture for us. And he comes back to it. Let me read the full verse. He says, he is, he is the one we proclaim. It says, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. By the way, that's the teaching of scripture. It's all the wisdom. The whole point of it is to teach, to admonish, to encourage, to help us what? That we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. The goal that God has for us is to grow up in him, to literally become adults, to mature. And let me tell you this really simply. I realize that our bodies are in decay and they will get worse over time. No matter how much you do it a little bit longer, and I'm glad if you do, you still will not be immortal. I hope that's not a shock for you. It hasn't happened to anyone else. Just trust me. But do you realize that maturation as it relates to who we are 
is the one thing that cannot be stopped. Your physical demise won't stop it. Your difficulties won't stop it. In other words, God made us to continue to grow in him. Paul says it this way, though we are wasting away, regularly we're being renewed. In other words, maturation is something we can keep doing all through our lives. I like to think of it this way, saving the best for last. Oh, come on. But let's be honest. Can we agree that we struggle to get there? That we may even say, though I'm a whatever year you are, like I'm 30, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70, I don't know what it is. But maybe your actual spiritual and emotional maturity is 12 or 13 or 5. Like what we want to face is, this is an incredible call and vision Paul gives us to grow up in faith. What's hard for us is, are we really growing up in faith? Let me show it to you this way. This is another letter Paul writes, and he describes the struggle. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. You weren't even ready for solid food. Yet you are still not ready. You are still worldly. Now, a lot of us, we associate this with just a kind of a set of behaviors. If you behave this way, you're worldly. If you behave this way, you're spiritually. They're, think, they're the do's and don'ts. But listen to how he describes it. For since there is still jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Now, I want, I want to be really honest about this together. We know, we talked about this earlier in the series, that people look at us from outside and they go, you are just as immature as we are, and in some ways worse. In other words, we're not really growing up. And this is not the only time Paul said it. And just so you know, I'm not accusing anyone. I'm accusing all of us. So if you're mad, be mad at everyone. You can include me in the mix. The author of Hebrews, who we most likely believe was one of the early female leaders, writes the same issue. You still need milk instead of solid food. You're not ready to actually grow up. We hear it again from Paul in other letters about the idea of how he's continually having to deal with us because we're not maturing in Christ. We, uh, we had, when, when our kids were growing up, somewhere we must have been talking about immaturity. We must have said immature enough times that our youngest would point out when anybody acted like they shouldn't and he would say we were mimature. You're so mimature. But I wonder how many times people in our lives and even to each other, we go, you are so mimature right now. You're so mimature. You're not really growing up. And I want to give you some pictures maybe for us to consider it. And I want to tell you, I'm not asking you to point to anyone else because, by the way, that's your own struggle to do that. I just want you to consider in your own life, is it possible we haven't really set maturity as our goal? Maybe... You're a dynamic leader in an organization. Maybe you're so good at it that people ask you to give trainings on it, and now your influence is beyond your own work. Maybe you're so skilled in how you lead that everybody wants your wisdom and advice, but you go home and you're completely detached from your spouse and you're angry at your kids. That is immaturity. Maybe you are a peak performer and you've built your life around success and you've tried to create a culture of success in those around you, but what it's become is you're a constant critic and you're a constant person whose your kindness is conditional to performance. And that is immaturity. 
Maybe the other side, you accommodate everything. I will never argue or have a conflict. I don't want to make someone upset around me. I'm not willing to be honest because they may not like it. That is immaturity. Maybe you are a prayer warrior and people laud how you pray for everyone else and their marriages and their lives, but you go home and you live in separate corners of your house out of conflict and struggle. Maybe you know the Bible inside and out. Maybe you are here critiquing how perfect and well the theology is of anything said or done, but you are unteachable and insecure and defensive, and you protect yourself. Maybe you say, we value, I value being connected to other Christians. We should be one in him, but you leave the table angry and hateful when someone disagrees with you. Maybe you serve like nobody's business and constantly think God's told you to give yourself to everything else, but it's always at the expense of you and you live in resentment and struggle of never being cared for. You haven't learned that part of maturation is caring for yourself. Can we just admit that we have some growing up to do? Like, I want to be honest. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to be a church or the church that people look and go, you are no different. You espouse one thing, but you haven't actually grown up in this yet. And what I want to do is be helpful to us. I didn't start here in the series. I wanted to finish here with kind of the call to maturing and holiness because one of my biggest concerns is we tend to think God's always disappointed with us and unhappy and just waiting for us to get better. And I want to go back to where we started, which was that God loves you unconditionally and loves you out of who you are. He sees your brokenness and loves you. I'm not asking you to mature so he'll finally go, man, I can finally look at your face. I'm asking you to mature because God has a greater destiny than just sitting in brokenness. He gave us his spirit to change us because he loves us. And we spent a lot of time in these first three weeks reminding you, we read scripture to discover the identity of who he is. This, this is just a small example, but I always, I thought about it so much last week as you guys were teaching. You know, we tend to want to be with God so he gives us something. And then we want to go share it with everyone else because we love what he gave us. But we lose sight of the fact that we were with him. <laughs> the best thing God gave me was not what he gave me to tell someone else. It's that I got to be with him. The God of the universe wants to spend time with me. That's the root of all this. Like, I don't want you to hear anything about maturation before you hear God loves you deeply. He loves you in your struggles. He loves you in the places that won't mature. He loves you in the places you are troubling even listening to. But he is not saying, once you do this, I'll be happy with you. He's saying, I love you in all of it. But I have something better. That's what I want you to understand, okay? Because what we're going to do is we're going to look at maturation from a biblical standpoint. And this is what I'll tell you. This has been, for me, probably one of the most significant things I've wrestled with in my Christian life is what does it look like to mature in him and how does that process go? And what I've come to is there's two major elements of it, and that's what we're going to look at, but that how that plays out in your life will be very unique because of the way we struggle with these two kind of poles of maturation. Now, let me give you a picture, and then I want to show you a passage. Paul, uh, regularly, when he's telling us to become like Jesus, he tells us to put off 
kind of the old way. Put off the immature things, the ungodly things, and put on who Christ is. So it will be things like take off rage and anger and pride. Put on humility and kindness and forgiveness. The problem is you go, how do I do that? It's not simple. Well, I just took it off one day and I put this on one day. I changed outfits. Good to go. What I think is it's a partnership between God and us. And I want you to hear how Paul describes it because I hope it will be helpful to you. This is in the letter to the church in Philippi. He says, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Now, be reminded, Paul's writing them because he doesn't get to be around them. And he says this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose. Now, I want to draw your attention to two very simple things. The first is he says, I want you to know to work out your salvation. In other words, there is effort involved in maturing in Christ. Like one of the things that, that is deeply troubling is we tend to think, well, God has to change me. There's nothing I can do. There's effort involved, but there's a problem with how we do it. If you're wired to effort, those of you who are more self-disciplined to accomplish more probably go, of course there is. I will get after this and I will grow in Jesus. I'm going to do this many spiritual things and these kinds of activities and I will get better like I do at everything. I want you to hear how he says it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying be afraid because God's going to take you down. He's saying work it out recognizing the greatness of who he is. And by the way, the greatness of who he is is greater than anything you'll ever do. See, for those of you who want to work at this thing of faith, want to mature in it, doing it in your own strength is trying to earn it. In other words, what you will think is like anything, I will get this far and then I need to get the next step. And, I need, and kind of like God's always going, well, you kind of got there, keep going. Well, you kind of got there, keep going. You're trying to earn it. And I want you to understand working it out with fear and trembling is saying I'm working it humbly. In case you don't know, the, great, the weakness of God is better than the greatness of you. In other words, don't confuse your self-reliance with working dependent on him. That's one side of it. And for some of us, we need to be careful we don't, assume effort is earning, we want to work humbly with his help. For others of us, it means we have to get up and start working. Some of you just go, you know what, God loves me as I am, it's all good. Well, God loves you as you are, but I've looked at you, it's not all good. And you've looked at me, it's not all good. And God's just trying to help us. He didn't give us new life to have mediocre, he gave us new life to grow us up in him. Work at it. The other side of it is the side that he then does. Oh, it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his purposes. I love this. You work, God works. You work, God works. It's a partnership. That's what I want you to see. In other words, you need him to work. You need God to do things to change you. Have you ever felt jealous? Have you ever felt prideful? Have you ever struggled with selfishness, with wanting things your own way, with just being king or queen of your life and thought, oh, I'll just work to change it? And gone, I've worked and worked. Do you know what? I do not change well on my own. I need God to work in my life. A big part to me of transformation is confession. God, would you help me? I don't know how to be loving right now. I don't know how not to be selfish right now. I don't know how to not look out for myself even when I'm trying to help others. And there's this need we have from God to change us. This is the way I I want you to think about it. And you'll have to consider which of the two you might struggle with more. Some of us need to think effort versus earning. And it's just the idea that you're going to have to work at this. Like maturation Christian maturation is we work at our faith to grow up. It's so funny, we work at everything else and we're like, ah, it's all good. We underestimate our need to grow. And in case you don't know, 
That's one of the reasons we keep centering you on Scripture. You will not figure this out on your own. God meets us in Scripture. He reveals, he convicts, he transforms, he moves when we work at it. But it's also working at it in your relationships. Man, we're not in a good place right now. We need to talk about this. We need help to actually be honest about these things. I need someone to speak in my life on what I need to work at. In case you're not sure, just ask people close to you because I guarantee you they will tell you what might be helpful. And if they don't, figure they're one of the people that's always going, oh, no, I'll never say anything, and then go, I got different trouble because they don't even want to tell me. We have to work at this thing. But it's effort, not earning. It's not then God will be happy with me. That's the way I like to think about it. God's not looking at you going, maybe when you get there, I'll feel better about you. God's going, I love you. And I love that you're working at this thing. You're working at the very thing that brings transformation. I love that you'd work at it. I love every step you go. I love it when you work and it's successful. And I love when you work and it's not. Because I love you in the good, the bad, the changeable, and what seems unchangeable. Keep working. Do you know how different it is to work at something and bring effort when you're not feeling like you're just never going to hit the finish line? You're never quite good enough? I want us to hear the difference. I want us to not miss the other side, though. It's dependence instead of defensiveness. What I find, there's, and this is more true today than at least I remember historically in my life. In the idea that Jesus loves us as we are and who we are, which is true, Jesus loves us unconditionally, it's become now an endorsement. Like Jesus actually likes the way all these things are and he wants me to have all these, whether it's my disposition, whether it's my failures, whether it's my messes. And so what there is is there's a defensiveness to identify what we can't change or isn't good about us. Don't tell me that. Then you're saying you don't love me. Don't tell me this isn't okay. Then you're, so we're not dependent, we're defensive. You can't say anything that's not positive or endorsing or wonderful about who I am. And dependence is different than defensiveness. Dependence is, I know what God wants to do and change me and I can't do it alone, I need him. Instead of don't tell me anything needs to be changed or growing in you. I mean, we'd all agree, wouldn't we, that we're not fully mature? Just say yes, I'll appreciate that. So we all know we have things to grow in, and we all know we can't do all of them, right? So we know we need help. Some of you need to move from defensiveness to dependence. Some of you need from thinking it's all up to you to dependence. Some of you that sit knowing you're dependent need to put some effort into this. Maturation is a partnership. That's the best way I understand it. The spirit matures us as we work humbly and we rely completely. See, I think that's how God wants to change us. We partner with him. And what's hard is, though, I can't give you a prescription for it. I can say it's a discovery of how the spirit moves in your life, of what your tendencies are, of what God is going to push you to work harder at, of what he's going to say, stop trying to earn, of where he's going to go, don't be defensive, just tell me your struggle, let me help, work at this. And that's a life journey, isn't it? Like God's kind of our personal trainer, but he infuses power in us, and it's going to be different, everybody's plan. But we have to commit to this. I love how Paul summarizes it in this passage in Colossians. uh, To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. In other words, I'm working with what he gives me. I'm working with what he's doing. I'm working with how he's moving. I am working humbly. I am relying completely. Tell me that's not an awesome picture of what God wants to invite us to. I very simply want us to quit worrying about growing old and start hearing the invitation to grow up. I want to give you this final picture, hopefully, to help us before we 
kind of respond and have time to pray and, and worship together. Uh, this has been told many times, but one particular author met up with someone who helps, he dives for exotic fish. And one of the areas that he shared with this author, which, which is pretty true fish in general, is when you put a fish, and this was a particularly shark, in a tank, even though it can grow to a larger size, if it's in a smaller container, it won't grow. It'll grow to the size of the container. So in other words, it may be made for more, but when it's contained, it doesn't get there. And I want you just to consider in your own life, have you built a container that won't let you grow? Like, have you built a container that you're not willing to explore your immaturities relationally and emotionally and spiritually? Have you built a container that basically says, I'm going to earn this and do enough? Have you built a container that says, no, I just am going to be loved no matter doing absolutely nothing. I don't need to do anything. There's no engagement. Have you built a container that goes, Scripture, why would I engage in that? Like, Scripture is the ocean that opens us up to go from the living or the written word to the living word. To be changed by God. I go, I cannot do that for you. I will keep telling you you should do it. I will keep trying to help make ways for that. In fact, for this current week, uh, we'll put it online, but there's a version uh, has an, a version is an app. It's a Bible app. And they have plans. And I'm just going to ask you to do this five-day plan because we have a new reading plan uh, next week with a new series. I got to remember the title of it. I did this last hour too where I thought I had it and then I forgot the name of it. It's, by, it's actually from Young Life, and it's called Grow, Becoming More Like Jesus. It's just five days of short devotions and, uh, and a few scriptures. I want you to do this for the next five days, just over the week. Just get it and do it. And then next week, we're going to have a reading plan for the next series. If you're not reading on your own, this is a way to engage regularly, to open up the seas of your transformation. And to begin to ask God, how do you want me to work humbly and rely completely on you? Let me pray for us. And then we'll respond in worship and communion. Lord, I simply ask, as I did at the beginning, anything that I've said that's not from you, it'll fall. It'll be forgotten. But God, I am asking we'll be people that can drink in not just milk, but take in solid food. That we would mature in you. Lord God, we want to grow up. We want to grow up with each other. We want to grow up with you. And we're saying we can't do it alone, but we also want to work at it. And not work like you're constantly disappointed, but know your love and your encouragement in it. So I'm praying you'd move. You'd lead us. You'd help us to depend. But you'd also help us to humbly work. And I pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We, we try to give a little time after the message to worship. And we'll celebrate communion because it's the centering act of the church. And so just allow God to speak to you even as you sing, as you respond, as you listen, as you kind of consider the words of his kindness and grace to us.
seated just for a few minutes. Uh, hopefully you got the communion cups when you came in. They have a, a bread in the top section and then the drink in the bottom. And we don't have any stipulations that have to be a member here. We try to encourage you to be on a pursuit of Jesus. But what I want to tell you before we even participate, and if you didn't get one, we do this every week. You can grab one next week. We just want you always to feel welcomed. It's the centering activity of the church. And I don't know why, for some reason, this service more than last, um, I just think sometimes, you know, there's that sense of conviction, like, oh, no, I've got some gaps here. Maybe even think of pain that you've caused in relationships around you or places you've lived immaturely. And the beauty of what we believe about Jesus, what we celebrate communion is his forgiveness. Like, I love what we saying that we, his promises are he loves you in it and he forgives you in the midst of it. So for you, maybe some of you, it's just receiving forgiveness today, going, man, I, I didn't like that example. That reminds me of me. I'm afraid people around me are looking at me. Or you're seeing someone else that's been that way, going, God, I, I don't know how to live in forgiveness of them, but I want to. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He took a bread that was without leaven, without any kind of yeast. It was what made the bread sour. It also made it rise, made it live a puffed up proud life, if you want it well. He lived in complete humility, sinless life, because you and I couldn't. He takes all the things that bring our immaturity and our brokenness and our harshness and our sin, said, I'm dying for you in that. When he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body and it's given for you. I 
died so you can live. Take of the bread. In the same way, on the same night he took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood. It's for the forgiveness of your sins. Scripture teaches that without bloodshed, there's no forgiveness. And ultimately, what Israel did in sacrificing animals, Jesus did because that was incomplete for all of us. His own death brings the sweetness of new life. And the cup is not just an image of forgiveness, it's an image of new life that we drink in. New life that's meant to mature us. New life that is built on the Holy Spirit's work to help us work and depend and work and depend. Let's take of the cup. Lord, I am asking that your grace would be poured out uniquely today where we need you. Give us a bigger picture of who you are. Let us rest in your promises that we need you to grow and mature and lead us to that end. Amen. Let me have you stand as we conclude our time kind of singing and receiving and proclaiming these words together. God of the universe, the God who made everything, the God who then came in the brokenness of everything and lived and died and rose again and went to be with the Father, who literally, it says Jesus is sitting next to the Father interceding for us. (laughs) And then he gives us his spirit and goes, oh, let me fill you and change you. I want that. That's what's going to change the world, by the way. All the things we're arguing about and fighting over and fearful of, they're kind of a, a little footnote for God. You changing, that changes the world. I want to invite you back. Next week, it'll, the new series is about the culture of, kind of the culture of giving of yourself, the culture of surrender rather than taking all the time. And I think it's going to be a meaningful six weeks. And we have a whole reading plan to help you just engage with the Lord in it too. Let me have you place your hands out and give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. <laughs> May he give you power to work. 
at your maturation. May he hear you and may you rely on him every step of the way to transform you. And may that partnership, that dance grow, that he would mature you into all he has for you. May your best days be ahead. And may you be part of changing the world, giving his love, his presence, and his power and hope to others for his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.